Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. And men, as always, I want to begin by thanking you for checking out today's A Quiet Life episode. A Quiet Life happens, well, Quiet Life happens every day, but A Quiet Life episode happens on Wednesdays. I love placing it right in Wednesday. It's a great way to kind of refocus our week. What what are we about? Are we living out the things that we say we believe? If you're new to the podcast, Quiet Life is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, 11 and 12. But essentially, it is aspire to live a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, that you may walk properly amongst outsiders, and not be dependent upon other people. Not lay around with your hand out waiting for uh, someone to help you out. And I want to start with that because you can see by the title, uh, this is something that has been bouncing around my brain now for a couple weeks. This is something that, man, I've been wanting to talk about. We are being conditioned. We are, we are being conditioned. I want to start with this. There was, there's a story, there's a study, and I guess you would call it a social study. Um, a psychological study. I, I don't know the, the term. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you know the study, I, man, I would really appreciate if you'd send me an email and say, this might be what you're talking about. I, I heard it on a radio, and this was about a year ago. And I, I think it was about uh, maybe NFL ticket prices. So maybe that's why this time frame kind of, you know, I remember where I was driving, where I was going, who I was meeting for this thing. And, and here's, here's the premise. The guy was saying that they they did this study, or maybe they maybe they always do this study. I don't know. Where essentially, let's let's say this: it, gas is let's say a dollar a gallon. Remember those days? It was like a dollar a gallon, and then it goes up to like one twenty-five. Now you complain at one twenty-five, but you still put in the same amount of gas in your car. Now a few people might you know get tricky and only do half a tank or you know whatever you got in your wallet. I get it. Okay, and then it goes one fifty. And then 175, and then two, and then 225, you know, and it just keeps jumping. And I don't know about you, but it it almost doesn't matter what the price is on the sign. If you need gas, you're going to find a way to get gas because that gas gets you to work, it gets you to the grocery store, it gets your kids to school. Now, you'll sacrifice other things, and we'll get into that in just a second. You'll sacrifice other things, but you say, I kind of need gas, right? And so you, you just, you just pay it. You just put the card in or you, some of you guys still go in and see the cashier. I'm not doing that. Um, but you pay it. And they say they paid it at $250. they will pay it at $275. they will pay it at $3. They'll pay it at $350. I think it's like $376 here right now that, at the time I'm recording this. Um, I don't know where you live. I don't know what the gas is there. I'm not trying to get into a gas war. I'm just saying uh, I remember paying you know under a dollar. I remember. And every time it jumps, you just find a way to do it. They do the same thing with uh, supply and demand, you know. So if you put out a case of toilet paper and say this is all we have, guess what? People are going to lose their mind over the toilet paper. Which you, I mean, in reality, you don't. People live a long time without toilet paper. We don't want to do that. But you put out a case of toilet paper and you say this is all we have. People are going to lose their mind. You say, oh, by the way, it used to be X number dollars per roll or whatever it comes out to now it's twice that people are like we don't care we'll pay it 
you see that at Christmas time, right? People lose their mind when there was a, a hot toy or something their kid really wanted. They will they will pay a ridiculous amount of money. People do this when their teams go to like the Super Bowl. You know, they do this when you know there's a, a big thing. Like it doesn't matter what the cost is, we're just going to do it. People do this with uh, fast food. Now, I, I for one. I kind of appreciate, and I say this tongue-in-cheek way, so please hear this. I appreciate some of the things we're seeing in our culture right now because it's 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 made me stay at home more and eat at home more, which is healthier and cheaper. So you go to get fast food. The, the people aren't real kind to you unless you go to the My Pleasure place. They're not real kind to you. They really don't care. right? Well, there was a, There was a fast food place that they had people employees that would stop showing up because they had a new sandwich and it was too popular and the people got sick of making that many sandwiches. So they, they stopped coming. They, they quit coming. My daughter's worked the other night. Someone just, just didn't show up. We called that getting fired in, in my day. I don't think that's, they're just really upset. Oh, okay. Well, guess what they're going to do next time. So the, the employees don't care overall. Most of them don't care. And then it's a 50, 50 shot. If you're going to get your food, if you eat it just straight away, the way it comes off the menu, you might have a chance. If you do any custom ordering, and I've told my kids this like at Taco Bell, I'm like, you realize that's not a chef back there, right? They want to have a little bit of this with some of that. I'm like, you're going to get what you get, and it's going to be in a crappy bag, and uh, you hope it hope it's fine. And here's the other part. It's, it's miserable for you. It's terrible for you. Now, I'm a convenience guy. I used to, like when I got out of church on Sundays, I would drive through somewhere. I'd get a bag of food. And two people I had to talk to before I got home. It was the cashier or the person who took the order and then the cashier. And I was home for the rest of the time until I went back to the office. I just, that was it. Now I just go home. We got food at home. We're going to eat at home. It's too expensive. They're rude. And it's not good for you to begin with. Here's my point. I think we are being conditioned to just accept the, the terms and agreements. You know how it is when you when iTunes or something says we've upgraded our terms and conditions and agreements, and you just click the box and say, I agree. I think that's what's happening. And if you dare push back, if you dare say, that's wrong, that is not okay, that is not acceptable, we are not going to live like that, we're not going to endorse that, we're not going to shop there, we're not going to eat there, we're not going to wear that brand, whatever, then you are hateful, you are some kind of extremist, they will paint you with these sweeping statements and make tons of assumptions about you in an attempt to shut you up, to make you look like the deranged one. We're being conditioned to just be quiet. I want to read this. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service to wor- of worship. That's Romans 12.1. We'll go on to say, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind you may prove what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if you are offering your life, your your home, your family, your wallet, your schedule as a living act of worship to God, it, it'll be pretty obvious. If you were to lay your calendar, your wallet, your TV subscriptions, your recently viewed on social media or Netflix or Hulu, whatever, if you're to lay those out, and compare them to people who do not know Jesus, would there be any difference? Well, our easy answer, our quick answer would be, of course. How? 
What what would be different about that? Because remember this, in Matthew 13, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, and there's four types of soil. First three, no good. Soil two and three kind of looked good and started out good and had some potential, and then life showed up. No. Soil four is the one that produced the ridiculous crop, 160, 30, right? Like that's the one that, you know, they're like, now that, now we have something right there. Every person I've run up on in the Christian circle always believes they are soil four. Well, brother, is there a harvest? Is there a crop? Is there, are there fruit coming from your life? Remember the, the fig tree? Jesus goes to get something from the fig tree. There's nothing on the fig tree. And then uh, he's angry. He curses the fig tree. It dies. People are like, why did he curse the fig tree? It was, it was Because the fig tree gave the impression that it was something that it was not. It gave the impression, I'm in season. Come. There's stuff to eat here. There's stuff to enjoy. Uh, there was absolutely nothing. Impression and reality were two different things. I believe we have become so conditioned to live, look, sound, everything like the world. And I go to this all the time. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught, that's the whole chapter. You should read the whole chapter often. But Jesus talks about that narrow road. The gate is small. And narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Are you being conditioned to be like most people? Or are you being transformed to be some of the very few that find it? And I'm not saying this from an arrogant standpoint. Well, the rest of you on that wide road, good luck. You're going nowhere quickly. No, but I will caution you. I'm not saying this to question your salvation. I don't get to determine who is saved and who is not saved. I can tell you what a life that is saved looks like. I can tell you from my perspective what a a family or a man of God or a, a husband, father, how they function just by body of work, just by working with people. I can tell you there's some behaviors, not good. There's some mandates evidently put on parents and scheduling and things, I'd say, not good. What you're doing is not good. And parents do not want to hear that. When you, out of whatever reason you want to give, will justify your lack of engagement and attendance and whatever in a church, you are setting your kid up to fail. I don't care if they are the next Bryce Harper I don't care if they're the quarterback for an NFL team. I I don't care. Every one of them will stand before God and give an account for his life. But if you don't lay the foundation that this is a great value, they will be, it'll be empty words when you come to your pastor or text him or DM him or email him going, I just need you to pray for my son. He's walking away from the faith. He's at college. He's doing this, that, or the other. He's doing, you know, he's living with his girlfriend. We'll get that in a second. He's doing, what are you going to do? 
you had them, but you rather went fishing, camping. You went you went to the tournaments all the time. You made excuses why you had to beeline out of church if you even showed up to church. You, you we weren't involved. We weren't engaged. We were, we just served. We just used church as a box to check and and serving. You know, not in this season. We can't do that. And it became that is not a value to be to do be a part of Christian life community. And brother, more than likely, you're not being the pastor of your home either. You're the batting instructor. You're, you're the you're the uh, you're the event planner. You're the guy filling the Yeti cooler to make sure you have, you know, Gatorades and Cheetos and crackers and sunflower seeds. And you know, you're the one packing the camping gear because where we got to head off again because working all week. You got to. Yeah, we all do. And I'm just telling you, you you have the right to do that for as long as God allows you to do that. But we will all give an account for that. Have you become so conditioned? Have we become so conditioned that we believe our own excuses? There's no peer pressure anymore from other men of God. This iron sharpens iron. We don't have it because men don't like to be sharpened. Because when they get sharpened, they get upset. They get sad. They get their feelings hurt. They pout. They they walk away. They fade away. They ghost. They hide. They distance themselves as much as they can because they don't really want to be sharpened. They want to just believe that they're okay the way that they are. That never works out. You can look in Scripture and find that, that it never works out. And I know you that may or may not work for you looking in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you, if you will not be conformed but be transformed, you're realizing the landscape of our world is things of God, not important. Not important. And don't dare speak up about it. I'll give you a couple examples. One would be, uh, it's been a while now. I, I made a video, a real brief video. It was in my car. I didn't plan on it being anything. I just, all I said was, you know, Target, Adidas. I don't remember. I might have named another company. Um, you know, the, the, I don't have any inclination that they're going to be Christian companies. I, I don't. I, I said that, that that ship or that idea sailed a long time ago, probably when I was, you know, much younger, more naive or whatever. And so I understand that. But when they get blatant and even aggressive about their marketing to, you know, say this is what we're doing, I'm I'm out. And so I will protect my house and I will protect my wallet. I didn't say what that looked like. I didn't nothing. And I mean to tell you the comments I got on that video about me were as aggressive as some of these people with cat profile pictures could come up with. Anime, cats, whatever. And I mean they made all kinds of statements about me. So what? <laughs> it's not the first time and it won't be the last time. I didn't make it to get a response. I really didn't. I made it to hopefully encourage some people to say, hey, just just consider it. Just consider it. And I've had some instances where someone will say, hey, I'm going to you know, run to Target real quick. I'm like, I wouldn't go to Target. Here's why. Oh, you know, well, what are you going to do? Right? That's their response. What are you going to do? I guess you keep funding it. That's fine. I don't think me not shopping at a, a business or going through a drive-thru is going to shut it down. I'm not trying to shut it down. I'm just saying I'm not going to endorse blatant sin. So some of the people would say, well, you realize you know, you're wearing AirPods. I guess I didn't realize at the time. Or the clothes that you're wearing. The clothes I'm wearing, that shirt was made in like JCPenney's. I don't know who. who it's a cheap shirt. I, whatever, like they, whatever you are, my sunglasses, what they may just, they attacked everything. You know where it's made? I, I mean, I really don't. I really don't. I, I don't do research on those. Some of you guys are better at that than I am. But when it's an obvious and blatant thing in my face, then I say, thank you. Now I know not to go there. Now I know not to support that. Now I know 
I can just keep on driving. I'll find somewhere else. And so it used to be that these commercials and things in, in the society we live in would promote things at certain times for certain reasons because they wanted they wanted your wallet. So Pizza Hut would run commercials like at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night, like the deep dish pizza and everybody sitting in the restaurant having so much fun. So the mom and dad who retired from the day were like, you know what, let's go to Pizza Hut and eat there. And you used to be able to afford to do that. You used to be able to afford just to go do those things. I don't even know if people eat a pizza no more, but that was the thing. Or, you know, hey, they would, sh- and then at night, like eight, nine o'clock at night, the commercials would be about like McDonald's breakfast or somebody's breakfast. Or like, I want you to go to bed thinking about coming here for breakfast, right? Now, within the commercials, not what they're trying to promote their food and stuff, they're trying to promote other ideologies, man. This is the, the race of the people who eat there, this is the gender of of the people who do these things. This is the sexuality of people who endorse in whatever we're about. This is the the way these people this is the way people live who are part, and, they, and they're they're pushing these agendas and things and and we're just going, well, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to keep my money." We're being conditioned to continue to tolerate sin, to continue to endorse it. And my fear is a little bit like Romans 1. Not only do we know these things are wrong, we know it's wrong. I think most Christian people, most people who have surrendered their life to Jesus, not claim the label of Christian, who have surrendered their life to Jesus, like most of them would say, yeah, that's, that's probably wrong. No, not probably. It is. But the fear is we end up endorsing and giving approval to people that do it and then do it ourselves. We're coming after your kids. Here's what our movies are about. Here's what our products are about. Here's what our theme parks are about. Here's what our company's about. We'll see you in October. Okay, well, you're going to get more of that. And again, you, you can do what you wish, but you don't get to deal with the consequences of doing those things. You don't. And you can bemoan and come to your, again, pastor and make sad Facebook posts and whatever, what are you doing with what you got? We don't want to be the bad guy. We don't want to be the person that says, this is wrong, and here's why we're not going to participate in that. Again, we look an awful lot like the world. We have been conditioned to just blend in. We don't want to be the abnormal one. We don't want to be the family that didn't make it to the Sunday morning game because it's the championship and my kid's going to get a big ring and we can take a picture at home plate and we can say how proud we are of these kiddos and all this junk that we have been doing. But someday kiddo is going to grow up, maybe, some men don't, but going to grow up and he's going to have to figure out how to function. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Have you been conditioned? Have you been? Is is there anything about your life, your family, your wallet, your television, your social media, anything that would be radically different? You're like, I don't want to be radical, Jared. Well, if you read the book, the call is a radical call. I've said before, crucified people don't get to decide that they get to be like everybody else. That is over. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. I can I can willingly lay down my life because Jesus willingly laid down his life. But praise God he didn't stay dead. Praise God for the resurrection. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best 
to present yourself to God as one approved. Is that charge only for Timothy? Is that charge just for your pastors or missionaries or the older men in the church who lead a Sunday school class, the elders, the deacons? Do your It's for everybody. It's for the guy who's rolled his eyes three times during this conversation. Do your best. Is that your best? Well, Jared, you see, no, no, no. You don't, don't, you don't owe me anything, man. You don't give an account to me. To present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Let's talk about ashamed. I've said before, at some point when you die, people will go through your stuff. Your junk drawers, your phone, your computer, and you can delete histories or whatever you want to do. People will go through your stuff. And the things that people find, that they find out about or actually find after someone has passed, will wreck them. Okay? I've, I've, I've witnessed it. Don't, don't have anything in your life that you need to be ashamed about. Okay? Get it out. Get some accountability. Get a garbage bag. Whatever you got to do. Rightly handling the truth. Or if you go to the, uh, what is that? The, the NIV, who handles the word of truth. I, I don't like the NLT, but I'll go with this one on, for the, who correctly explains the words of truth. Can you do that? Are you accurately handling the word of truth? Well, not if you got everything else in your hands. Not if you're attempting to gain the whole world while you're losing your soul. Not when you are refusing to take a stand on conviction. Listen, if you take a stand on conviction, there will be pushback. There will be. But you have to believe it's worth it. You have to believe. I'm not out there looking for pushback. I, that's not my wiring. I'm not out there. But I, but I am. My, my, my mentality is I'm not going to budge on this. I don't have to yell about it. I don't have to post about it. <laughs> I don't have to lecture you about it. But I'm not budging on it. I refuse to live like the rest of the world because I can't see in my Bible, the way that it gives me permission to do that. Well, Paul was a tent maker and he won hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. So while you're making your tent, how many people are you winning to Jesus? What means are you using to win people to Jesus? There's that phrase like always preach the gospel if necessary, use words. No, it's always necessary to use words. Always. Listen, as good as you think you are, as loving as you think you are, and as servant-minded, and you hold all the doors, and you say all the things, and you sweep the floor, and you stay longer, and whatever, there's people who don't know Christ that are just as good by worldly standards as you are. What sets you apart is you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so we're going to need to say some words. We're going to need to speak up. I'll give you one last example here. Cohabitation. Rare is the couple who does not live together. R rare. I say, where's mom and dad in this? Well, sometimes, sometimes they're, they're footing the bill. Well, you know, I, I, I saw this. It was a high school girl went on vacation with her boyfriend. What are we, what are we doing? So if she gets pregnant, because I'm sure when they went on vacation together, they slept in separate rooms and they just did a Bible study, you know, and just 
got to know each other as best friends. So if she gets pregnant, how are you going to spin that? How, what, what kind of post do you got prepared for Facebook that you're just so excited to welcome grandbaby number one? Like, what, what's your plan? Okay. Or if this guy starts making up stories about her, true or false, whatever, makes up stories and starts telling people stories, sharing pictures, what I don't know. What, what are you going to do? You know, we they're like, well, they're 30 years old. They can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Is it right or is it wrong? And again, are you making up the rules or are you going by God's rules? So you tell people, and I've had to tell people a lot of times in ministry, and just about every one of them look at you like, I want to hurt you. I get it. I get, I understand the perks of cohabitating, but you don't understand the consequences. I was sharing, I shared something recently about, I think it was the University of Denver. I could be wrong on that, but they did a study on people that cohabitate, why they do it. And then what happens afterwards? And the, the divorce rates were ridiculous. Okay. We got enough divorce problems, but they were saying the reasons were like, we could save money. We get to be around each other more. Um, it's convenient time-wise. We kind of save some time. And there was like four main things. And the percentage of people that said that as their reason, and then the percentage of people that afterwards were divorced. And even this university said what they found, and I'm summarizing it this way, what they found was the reasons why you moved in together were not enough to keep you together when problems inevitably came, especially if you did end up getting married. Huh. Seems like God might have thought through that. They said the people that got married, the reason they got married, for many of them, that was enough to kind of tie them together when they went through financial problems, relational problems. Like, we've already made the commitment, we've already made the co- the covenant, whatever, and we're holding to each other and we're going to stay together. Now, obviously, we know that they don't always do that. What I will tell you from that is the success rate is higher for those who don't live together. I know yours is the exception. I know your kid's the exception. But the success rate of staying together was higher for those who didn't live together but got married first, then moved in, and then dealt with the world's problems. You're going to have problems every day, all the time, every year. You're going to have some challenges. They're all different. But how dare you say that my sweetie and my son and his girlfriend or whatever shouldn't live together? How dare you say that? We, we had a situation before we told a couple that shouldn't live together. I want to serve in children's ministry. Nope. I can't tell you how many times in children's ministry I've had to tell people, no, you can't serve. Why? Because we don't believe that that's God's standard to live together before you're married. And I don't want you teaching kids and that come up or whatever. Okay. Just not going to do it. And that isn't the only thing that keeps people from serving in children's ministry for you guy who just got upset. And I've had people leave. Count a lot of people left because of that at different times. And I know of a couple that went to another church and had a conversation with the pastor, and the pastor said, that church told you the right thing. You should have listened to them because they were asking if they could serve in the children's ministry there too. Not only did they leave, their parents left because I was the bad guy for saying that what their kid was doing was wrong. Or whatever. I'm okay with that. If you don't have the marbles to tell your kid that this is wrong and you want to blame the pastor who did tell him what is true regardless of what is convenient and what is easier in the moment, I don't know what to tell you. I am shocked at how weak some men actually have become. Maybe this was always the case. Maybe this was always the case with 
grown men. But as a, a young man or a kid, I didn't see it this way. I am shocked at how spineless some men ha- can be. I am shocked at how much false bravado I have heard from men through the years about, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And the first teenage boy or teenage girl or whatever runs up on their house and starts you know, dating their, and they fold. I'm not trying to threaten anybody, ever. I just want you to know, I'm not budging. I'm here. I'm the gatekeeper. Right? I don't need to be, you don't need to be a, a caricature of yourself. I am shocked at how weak some men are. I am shocked at how much like the world a lot of men who would claim Christian are. They can't pray. They can't lead a Bible study. They're not making any disciples. They're they're not going to evangelize a lost person. They can't do anything outside of what is the minimum. The question used to be, what must I do to be saved? Now it's, do I really need to do that? Do I really need to talk like that? Do I really need to, whatever it is. We've cheapened it to the point. I had a friend say this before. He said, you take like a, a, a piece of fabric. He said, our, our culture, our world has a, this moral fabric. and We continue to tear at it. We just accept this, accept this, accept this. He said, before long, you'll have absolutely nothing left to grab a hold of. That's what's going on. There's a lot of men who will claim the label Christian, and I don't know what you have to grab a hold of. Because whenever the seasons change, or whenever a schedule is released, or whenever a spot at the local RV park, or fishing hole, or deer blind, or whatever else opens up, you're gone. It's not even a second thought. And I'm not talking this from church attendance, but I think church attendance is reflective of your Christian life. I really do. The guy that says he doesn't need the church, he's a mess. He needs a church. I guarantee there ain't no disciple-making going on there. Not biblical disciple-making. I want you to consider that. Have you begun to accept things that are evil, sinful, worldly as, well, what are you going to do about it? Have you become conditioned? Or are you converted into Christ Jesus? Have you died to yourself? And if you die to yourself, it's going to be hard. That narrow road is, is lonely. If you find it, I want you to know, I'm trying to walk it too. I was messaging a guy last night about something, and I said, you don't walk this road alone, man. We're doing this together. There might be, like Elijah said, I want to die, and God's like, I got 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knee to Baal. It might be that you need to know there are other men who are not bowing their knee to Baal. I'm one. I think there's a whole bunch more. I just think they're hard to find. I really do. I don't know if they're in your church. I hope they are. I don't I, I don't know if they live in your neighborhood. I haven't found any in my neighborhood. I don't know if they're at your kid's school. I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they work next to you where you're at. I, I don't know. I want you to know, I'm, I'm walking this road too, man, and I need as many men who are saying, we're not budging either. I'm not looking to be the guy with the sandwich board and megaphone. That's not me. That might be you. That's not me. I do this. Maybe you don't do that. But we have to say we are not going to be conditioned to the patterns of the world. I am not going to accept 
entertainment. I'm not going to accept standards. I'm not going to accept whatever it is that if it goes against what God has already instructed us, I'm not going to do it. And there might be some real lonely days. And maybe that's where you're at right now. I, I don't know. Because I guarantee you could let's use your church again. You could stay in your church and you could throw a rock and hit about 10 other guys who are probably been conditioned, who are settling for less and are believing their own excuses. And I guarantee, I didn't even touch on this, I guarantee whether she goes along with it or not, the, the level of respect, wife for husband, it's not where it should be. It's, it's just not where it should be. You do things God's way, it's going to go well with you. It's not going to be easy, but it will go well with you. You do things the world's way, they will chew you up and spit you out. Think about it. Man, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing. Listen, you got something. You got something you want to see talked on here. You got something that you're walking through, whatever, man. Shoot me an email. Pursuemanliness at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. <laughs>